You're listening to the Lost at Sea podcast. In this episode, Taylor and I respond to the events in Charlottesville and discuss the role of the church in establishing and attaining structures of power. Let's get started. Okay, so last uh, last weekend, uh, August 12th, there was a protest, I guess if you want to call it that, um, which really ended up just being a rally uh, for white supremacists called uh, Unite the Right. Uh, It's an organization led by a very well-known white supremacist. They were there, uh, they were claiming to be there um, because they were protesting the removal of a Confederate statue uh, in Charlottesville of Robert E. Lee because they feel that it's history that they don't feel should be erased. But, you know, earlier in the day, there had already been some clashing between counter-protests um, and the, the alt-right and white supremacists that were there. And at some point later in the day, uh, in a downtown area that was very crowded, hundreds of people were gathered there who were part of the counter-protest. And a man from the white nationalist, white supremacist group of people that were there sped his car down a road into hundreds of people and uh, killing at least one, injuring multiple people, I think 17 or 18 is what I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched uh, some some footage from Vice that were there personally with the Unite the Right leaders the whole time. And just some of the stuff, even before anything had happened, just some of the stuff that these guys were saying was just, it was sick. It was, it was hard to hear. Um, so much hatred, so much intent. You know, they, they knew, they were willing and ready for violence. Like, mm-hmm. they said that multiple times. And I just, like, it's, it's intense to even recall it just from watching yeah. the footage because it was, it was just so... Uh, it was it was scary. Yeah. Some of the, like the scariest things I've ever seen. So, um, I think what we just kind of want to do is make sure that we address what happened and kind of react to it. I, I just want to start out by saying that we don't think that there's any comparison between the counter protesters mm-hmm. of Black Lives <coughs> Matters and and many other people there were just supporting just allies. There's no comparison. Well, to, I mean, yeah, yeah. To this. Exactly. But I think even the even the comparison between the the white nationalists, uh, white supremacist uh, neo-Nazis who were like initiating all this, um the comparison is being drawn between them and the Antifa movement, which are people who they're the people who you're seeing punching the Nazis <laughs> in the face. Yeah. You know, and the thing is is like you can not even remotely put those two people on the same moral plane. Like, that's not even remotely close to being the same thing at all. But, you know, people have done it, including our president. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's one of the first things I want to get out of the way is that, like, there's no... Logically, there's no way that you can put somebody who believes that that their race is a, is the superior race mm. um, and other races should be 
subservient to your race because of that. Yeah. And then also carry out acts of violence based on that to people who are committing acts of violence based on your irrational hatred for another race. Exactly. Now you can like you can say both are wrong, but it's probably not timely right now to say that Right. I think the anti movement is wrong. There might be a case for nonviolence that should be addressed, but not that's right not even the time right yeah, now not because not right now. because it was like the, the again like you said i mean the outright hate and disgust on on the people in the outright protest yeah. group i mean right. there's no denying it like it's it's just when you see some of the images coming from from charlottesville it's um it's really hard to deny there's a there's a difference there yeah you know like yeah. I, I just uh, I feel like we're we're really just trying to try to I think a lot of white people want to kind of dumb it down or or say this isn't us you know yeah. I'm not that white person well newsflash you at least benefit from this so if right. you're not perpetuating it yourself which you probably are on some minor level yeah you know and that's like something that we have to own and we have to be vocal about because if we're not, we're just mystifying a system that's set up to benefit us and it's never gonna go away. Hey guys, Taylor here. I'll be stopping in from time to time to help guide the conversation. First question, what is nationalism? According to uh, Google, there's again, kind of like a spectrum that they describe, but it says uh, on one end, it's, it's just patriotic feelings, principles, or efforts. So something, you know, if you're really proud of your country and you're very patriotic, uh, you may put in a lot of time and effort to support it and to advocate for it, mm. right? But it also notes an extreme form of this, especially marked by a feeling of superiority over other countries. Yeah. So because it's your country, it's better, or in, you know, because of those patriotic feelings mm-hmm. that are very emboldened in America the you become like you place your country in importance over others which right. immediately for me is just like that's concerning right I, I don't know i mean especially within the lens of christianity because it's like you know jesus didn't just die for the united states but also just like this notion that like if somebody brings up something that the united states did is doing will do whatever uh that is wrong morally wrong Mm -hmm. they will either try to they'll do one of two things probably they will try to justify it by saying that it's within the needs and the interests of our our country we're fighting the war on terror because we don't want the the war on terror to come to the u.s but it's okay if we take it everywhere else right or the second thing is is they will question your loyalty to the country which is a, a very um, there, it's an egregious sin against, you know, this the state of, well, the United States to, to question its, yeah, morality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And both of those things like really contribute to, kind of what's going on today. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say, you know, again, it seems like there are there's like a healthy there can be a healthy form of you know being patriotic and appreciating what 
you do have in this country that you know obviously could be more access to clean water but even in that regard we have work to do because even those systems that gave a majority of people clean drinking water mm. in poor in poor cities all across America including Flint um, the same systems that were supposed to be there to protect people failed to do so when we look at that that side of it we need to reflect on like yes we should be grateful for the things that we have but we should be fighting as hard as we can to ensure that everyone in this country is getting the same access the yeah, same resources equity. there's this like they called it the great awakening and basically that's where american exceptionalism was born you know like god um like ordained this nation to be like the one of the greatest nations in the world and yeah we're we're exceptional Which, and that's where <sighs> manifest destiny started coming about and like all of this weird like fucked up shit and i it's carried over it is weird it's weird because it's like we and, and this is where my reading of the bible is is kind of different because when you read uh, when you read about um, the Israelites and their promised land, it, there's a lot of things going on there that, that we are paralleling with us uh, taking over America. <laughs> and I think the, it, it just it, it really it hints at this idea that uh, just like American history, but, but the Bible is, is kind of like this, it's a progression of humanity. Mm-hmm. It's not everybody was at the same level of consciousness, you know, as, as far as like how to treat other people. That's why when at the beginning of the Bible, if you, if you killed an entire nation of people, women, children, and men, you know, that was ordained by God. But then at the same time in the new Testament, Jesus is holding someone's hand away from striking his enemy with a sword. So interesting thing about that. Um, there's a book out right now that I really, really want to read, but I'm too poor to buy. Um, that's why you should subscribe uh, to Patreon um, because then we get money and, and we can get smarter for yeah, you. More resources exactly. for the show. Uh, <laughs> um, but the 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 book tome, really, honestly, is called um, Crucifixion of the Warrior God by Greg Boyd. Mm. Who else? Because I love him with all of my heart. Um and There's a theme here, people. It, exactly. We talk about Greg Boyd, Rob Bell, Jonathan and Martin. Jonathan Martin. I mean, basically, it's those three. Oh, and Honestly. Pete Enns. Yeah, Pete Enns, yeah. I need to get into him. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, so, so Crucifixion of the Warrior God is about um, seeing the Old Testament and all of the horrific acts that God ordained in the light, somehow, in the light of... Uh, the lens of um, Christ crucified on the cross. <laughs> um, so knowing Greg Boyd, if he put something out like this, he knows what he's talking about and he's confident in it. And I really, really want to read it. But what 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 I've been um, hearing about it is that those acts back then that were ordained by God were designed specifically to show to reflect the horror of humanity back on itself um and i don't know what that means and i don't know what that does yeah but i mean 
Wow, that's, yeah, that's yeah. deep. I like that, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I like it right now. I don't know. Maybe I won't <laughs> like it later. But but any, anyway, um, so this, like, idea of nationalism, it was in the 1700s with colonies, the British American colonies. I'm getting this from Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, <laughs> FYI. Um, but um, it was a... a Christian revival, and um, basically it uh, was developed um, toward evangelical Calvinism, mm. which is what we see now. And so this nationalism has has been entrenched in evangelicalism. Yeah. Been taking root for since, very, well, from this, the beginning. Yeah, since the inception of this country. Yeah. Like, just, I don't know how many years after Jamestown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe 100 years after Jamestown. I don't know, the 1600s, right? I yeah. don't know. I, I I think too. I mean, a good thing that we're hinting at there is like, so the the idea the the love of country um, is uh, is something that a lot of people are are born into a family that puts that right underneath their belief in God, and really they relate the two together uh, mm-hmm. closely. Um, that this is like a nation under the one true God. Right. Um, but I, I think what we're missing here is there was the intentional act of, of that separation of church and state. And so when you pair your love of God and that relationship that's been cultivated with God, and then you, you also you, you pair that with an entire upbringing of love of country, mm-hmm. um, there's a very messy, tangled uh consequence yeah you start that to, comes from that you, you know? start to think that the country itself is blessed by god and you still have people today who yeah. think that oh, the wealth definitely. of the united states was not built on free labor um and it was instead built on its relationship to israel yeah um and i, I mean i heard a pastor he told me to my face that the reason the United States is one of the wealthiest countries in the world is because it's Protestant. Mm. And I'm like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like you, you really think that the prosperity of the United States has nothing to do with slave labor and white supremacy. Then it does. um, Then it does the fact that we are Protestant. I just don't, I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't know why that I feel like every single episode comes back to that this this just common theme yeah that most of the frustrations that we voice and talk about on this really comes back to that transfer yeah. between the oppressed and the empire <laughs> when right. it's like that just changes everything hey lost at sea listeners wondering how you can support lost at sea good news there are plenty of ways first you can follow us on twitter Lost at Sea PC, or search for Lost at Sea Podcast on Facebook and give us a like. If you're looking to invest a little bit more into this podcast, donate monthly on our Patreon page. To do so, go to patreon.com forward slash lost at sea PC. Not only can you support Lost at Sea, but you can gain access to exclusive bonus content only available to our patrons. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash lost at sea PC. So let's get back into this conversation 
This is Stephanie and I discussing white supremacy and how the systems that are in place currently today still benefit white people and really give us a status of privilege. As white people, we are given a certain amount of leeway with things, even down to the, the physical protection of our bodies. Like, I mean, I'm a woman, so it's a little bit different from a man, as, as in, like, I still have the threat of constant threat of violence against my body but it's for a different reason and it's on a different level of intensity than mm. somebody who is of color you know what i mean yeah. um, especially a woman of color especially trans women of color who we can talk about all day as far as like how many of of our sisters have died this year alone from male violence but white people need to us like us me included right. yeah like taylor and yeah, stephanie we are white um need to stop saying that you know this isn't us we need to stop saying that like well those white people or whatever like i'm not one of those people it's like on some level all of us are yeah because we benefit from the system and equity is about um not having us start on third base and having to get to home and then other people having to start on first base right. and having to get to home. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? just started on the home plate. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, something that comes up a lot when if there are, uh, if there's a terrorist attack that um, happens from Islamic extremism, as conservatives would like me to say, I'm trying to appeal here because there's a lot of talk of people in the Muslim community owning um, you know, trying to take some sort of accountability for people in their community they doing do. extreme acts of terror, yeah, right? They, yeah, and I do. think most of the time you, you see that all the time. And I think yeah. that's that's the same thing here is, you know, yes, that's that's not how you are, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't commit that act of violence mm-hmm. like that white person. In, yeah. But it's someone who's part of your community. Mm-hmm. Your that, culture. Yeah, and, and somehow in indirect ways you have benefited from the yeah. same systems they're fighting to put in place or keep in place. Right. And, and that's I think what that's it's just about. that acknowledgement of yeah. just saying like, hey, I am coming from a, a place of privilege and I'm saying that I acknowledge that yeah. there's people in my community that are doing things that are intentionally trying to uphold right. these systems of oppression. And there are things that I do unintentionally just mm-hmm. because of my existence right. i mean in some ways that are, are upholding these and so right. the worst thing that we can do is to stay completely silent and complicit. you know yeah. yeah because i think like we we had we talked a lot before even recording this and and uh i don't want to like always act like we just know what we're talking about and yeah, that we have it all together because yeah. i don't want to i'm trying not to saying. overstep my boundaries but i do want to say like it's would be worse to just say nothing right so right and the, the, i think what we want to get at is that the onus is on us um to to speak up and, and say something about it obviously not to take up more space than we already do we don't get to be tired of this you know um, i saw a tweet the other day it said and it was well-intentioned and and everything but it said i don't think the u.s can can mentally and emotionally handle 3.5 more years of this it's like newsflash um people who are not white who like who have been living in this country um have been dealing with this for over 200 years so like Hmm. i'm not saying that we we should have to suck it up but i am saying that we should stop saying shit like that 
because um, it erases completely the um, the very real things that people of color have been having to deal with since the inception of this country, right. since before it's, the inception it's of not this country. New. We all know people that, that feel differently about this situation that are close to us. Those are the people that we should be having good, constructive conversations with. It's not like accusatory. It's not out of like hate, but it can't be. You have to be bold and you have to be willing to just talk about it. In this next conversation, Stephanie and I talk about the rise of the alt-right and the importance for white people to continue to discuss their white privilege. It's, it's just crazy yeah. uh, that a lot of what we're looking at now is like, it, it's just, it's scary because like this, what used to be thought of as a small online presence of just yeah douchebags with keyboards. And tiki torches. <laughs> tiki torches. Which uh, we could talk about. And yeah, just just really bad memes. Um, I don't know. It's just we were saying a long time ago when all of this like it used to be a small pocket of four chan fucking gamers that made jokes about sexual assault, made jokes about child molestation, mm. made jokes about neo nazism, and then everybody was like, "Oh my god." you know, we need to protect their free speech. And now look at what is happening. I'm not saying that free speech isn't important, but look at what is happening. You have this small pocket of people who existed only in the dark recesses of the internet. Yeah, and within a couple of years, especially with the rise of Trump. Right. We're not The even light has been shown on them, and in. now they're like... What I mean, you know like what I mean? we're not even a year in I know. to this, this whole presidency. I know. What the hell is gonna happen? Uh, that's I like mean, that's how I think about yeah. it. It's like, so like what the hell? What are we gonna do? Yeah, they existed, but they didn't have power until a man got into office. I mean, they had power, but they didn't have as much of a voice as they do now. Yeah. Because people ignored it, and that's mm. the thing I think that we're trying to get at is that the more you ignore this, the more you stick your head in the sand and say that this doesn't apply to me, this is not us, mm. the, the more you mystify the power structures that are, are evident within society. Yeah. And the more you miss the radicalization of these white men online, mostly. Yeah. You know what I mean? To commit terrorist acts as as the one that we saw with the with the guy from Ohio that drove the truck into the crowd of people. Ugh. You know what I mean? Right. It used to be just like um, Milo Yiannopoulos talking to a bunch of gamers about um, him not understanding what the difference between an adult and a child is. You know what I mean? And now we have this. Right. Um Meaning, and again, like I said, it's not that we now have it. It's now we have people who feel emboldened, emboldened to do things out in public. Mm. And that's why I'm very conflicted about whether or not I want to say it's okay to punch a Nazi in the face. Because on the one hand, um, they don't listen. There's no rationale. Like, you can't reason. You can't, I mean, you cannot reason with an already already illogical set of ideas, first yeah. of all. But then also, like, that's really the only thing that they understand. Right. You know? But then at the same time, you punch a Nazi in the face, 
and even if it works and the Nazi goes back to the undercurrents of society, yeah. they're still there. Right. They still have their Nazi ideology. And, and I think what is is kind of humiliating, you know, if, if you are one of, if you're one of these people who have bought into this ideology, um, especially at the level that these guys have, you know, you're really playing into such a victim mindset. And I think it's something that they want you to think they reject so harshly, right? Because a lot of their rhetoric is we work harder, you know, this, this illusion that they've created um, in their minds that, that, you know, I don't know, from some sort of anecdotal evidence because they only hang out with white people, that they work harder. They have this, like, there's something about the, the white work ethic, right? Um, and it's just these reinforced things to make them feel better about themselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but Which then, we feed into, like, we liberals do. feed into. We do, definitely. White working class, like. For sure. You know what I mean? But, I mean, like, without, I, I guess, like, uh, the, the difference even there is, like, if we looked at the economic inequality in this nation, it, you will see that it's affecting not just people of color, right? There's a lot yeah. of poor white people mm-hmm. in the middle of flyover states. Time. That, yeah, that are suffering. I guess, like, uh, we don't want to devalue the suffering of Anybody. some of anyone. Yeah. yeah. I think I heard someone say it like this, that, like, if, you know, all houses matter, right? But if one house is on fire you stop what you're doing and you put the fire out of the one house because that one house needs it, you know? And I think when we address this, the problems in this country, uh, especially dealing with white supremacy, we have to, it starts with this internal uh, introspection and it comes from a place of saying, okay, maybe I don't understand it. Maybe I don't know why these things are true or why all these people say these things. You know, I, I can understand, you know, if you're coming from a place of privilege and you don't, you haven't um, really sought out a lot of information on this kind of stuff, how you can hold those opinions because of how you were brought up. Mm-hmm. But uh, if nothing else, this conversation needs to lead to go and and just do the research because it's, it's everywhere. And it's, it's, not, it's not a surprise. It's not something that's new. This is stuff that's been here for a long time, and it's so easy for people, for white people of privilege, to ignore it because it just doesn't affect them that much. And they don't like people don't like you don't see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because you've never experienced anything outside of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Until I, the only time that I ever was able to experience what it's like to have privilege and then not have it anymore was when I came out Mm. because, um, I don't wear my sexual orientation on my skin. You know what I mean? I can pass as a straight person. I mean, not anymore. Cause I, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, but like I can pass as a straight person. People don't look at me and say, Oh my God, she's not straight. But when I started coming out, all of a sudden people stopped listening to me. All of a sudden people started, started treating me differently. I lost friends. Um, I started being treated differently by family members. Sometimes I can't talk about it when I am in a job situation because I'm afraid of what 
might happen yeah you know as a result especially if it's local here you don't know how people exactly are feel. so that's only like a minute example of, of this of like knowing what it feels like because like you don't know that you have it until it's taken away from you if it ever is taken away from you does that make sense yeah so it's just something that you have to listen like it's something that you have to listen to other people to 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 hear yeah because you're not going to on your own experience feeling of oh i have this thing you know what i mean right and so when people are telling you that this happened because or this didn't happen to you because you of of the color of your skin you kind of have to take them at their word yeah because and yeah exactly exactly i think like that's the importance of of just representation too and making sure that we you know i want to make sure that we cover our awareness of the idea that we you should have a voice represented from the communities that are are affected so hopefully um we're going to cover topics like this more in depth on race but we we really were just intentional about holding off on getting too deep into that because we don't want to speak for anybody exactly yeah but but ourselves as far as like denouncing um, white supremacy yeah yeah, i can say that and introspecting about how we benefit from it and um talking to other white people about what to do about it because ultimately that's our job like because we don't have the right again like i said we don't have the right to be tired of this yeah you know what i mean there's no reason that we should be tired of this there's nothing that's happened to us right you know what i mean definitely nothing yeah i especially having conversations you know on on either side of this if you're listening and you kind of already uh you kind of align more with what we're saying already um i think i would encourage you to go especially if if you're white to go and and speak with family yeah that maybe don't uh fully understand how white supremacy works yeah i guess just in this to say lost at sea podcast officially wants to say we denounce white supremacy oh yeah for sure and nazis and but we recognize it not nazism but we recognize um, the white supremacist structure and how it's acted on ourselves yeah, and how we have benefited and, from that and at any point both of us are welcome to be called out for for anything definitely that, that we may have yeah heard. i'm okay saying i was wrong if i hear something i said and it's yeah. just like yeah that was not right I'll, i totally am okay exactly. with being told i was wrong all right guys have a good one thank you for listening to lost at sea If you'd like to stay up to date on all of our latest episodes, follow us on facebook.com forward slash lost at cpc or on twitter at lost at cpc. Also, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash lost at cpc.